Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. I am doing take two of this intro because last time I recorded it, I did not have my microphone plugged in uh, like a moron. So uh, I tell you guys all the time, don't listen to me, listen to the people that I bring on. And I'm just a smooth-brained pleb working my way through this thing we call Bitcoin. Um, but anyways, on this week's episode, I have Paul Malowitz. I probably butchered how you say the last name, Paul, so I apologize. But uh, his Twitter handle is at DadPressions. Um, and we got connected a while ago. Uh, he had reached out. I think he heard me on somebody's podcast. And um, so we just started following each other. Uh, happened to both be Michigan Wolverine fans, so that have that in common. But uh, also, um, he's, a, he's pretty funny uh, and posts a lot of uh, good content. And that's how he originally started his Twitter account, was uh, posting parenting jokes and uh, jokes about being a, a dad, basically. So, um yeah, uh, you should, guys should give him a follow if you don't already follow him. But uh, yeah, we just had a good pleb chat, you know, talking about Bitcoin, everything that's going on in the Bitcoin space, blah, 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 blah. And um, and yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy it. We talk a little bit about JPEGs, but we, you know, just kind of talk about everything and uh, get into his background and, you know, how he found Bitcoin originally. So as always, I want to shout out to the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple and get yourself a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Get 5% off. Use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple, all one word. Also, shout out to Upstream Data. Go to upstreamdata.ca and you can check out all the pro products they have, like miners. But also, if you are looking at doing a uh, mine at home, my, you're going to mine at home, you might want to get a black, black box and you can get one there and it makes the sound go away. So I highly recommend it upstreamdata.ca and then also you guys know my streaming platform movies plus go to mymoviesplus.com and you can check out all the content we have going on lots of new originals and lots of just general content and then we have uh, also some bitcoin content and we have movies movies plus film festival going on in march so you can be a part of it uh get the promo code cory c-o-r-y and you will get one year for 24 dollars so it's two dollars a month and you're helping support uh, a pleb like me. So I appreciate you guys. As always, if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can email the show Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. I will talk to you guys later. Thanks. So here is nice. So that's how you know it's a a a a dad a dad pod. Uh, a Friday night dad pod. <laughs> yeah, especially because we we built it around your put kid to bedtime. Yep. I decided yep. to let my kid roll. So like he's just in the other room going bonkers at this point. Which is, That's awesome. How old is he? He's eight. Okay. Mine's seven. My oldest nice. is seven. Um yeah, they I mean, I, I don't know. I can't no matter what we do, it doesn't the bedtime doesn't become a thing. It just it's it's always a disaster and like you know there'll be nights where like put them to bed and like i come down like 20 minutes later and my wife's like whoa what happened you know i'm like i don't know and then like nights like tonight where i'm sitting there and like trying to get them and i'm like i'm just like close your eyes close your eyes just like <laughs> stare at the wall you know roll on that side you usually fall asleep that way you know it's just do you have like a set routine or is it just catch as catch can the whole time uh we tried the whole set routine i mean we tried like every single thing of like under the sun you know because people were like oh try sleep training mm -hmm. um and the first like with our oldest we tried that for a little bit but then we were weak and we had only had yeah. one kid at that time so we we're like yeah what the heck you know and like he'd crawl in our bed whatever no big deal 
the second one, we were like, all right, we're going to sleep train him. We learned our lesson. And he would cry for, like, he'd not, like, cry, but, like, literally be, like, yelling for us. And, and then you have, a, you have a heart, too. So Yeah, exactly. Oh, so you're just, like, and he would yell for, like, you know, we would initially go in and then the one night I was playing Call of Duty with my friends and I had the monitor still. <laughs> and like after like two hours of him, like, you know, calling for me, like my one friend who had kids around has kids around the same age. He was like, dude, I don't know how you do this. Like, he's like, I don't know what in the world, like we sleep trained and it was like 10 minutes of crying and then they they were done. So um, so I always joke, I say. You know, we were blessed with uh, wonderful children uh, that don't know how to sleep. It's, uh, you know, you know consistency is a good thing. Yeah. Mine, mine is like I've got him on a routine now. It's like I make him read to me. I read to him. Sometimes I read him propaganda, whatever I want him to know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like some like kid philosophy book. And then he usually goes to bed. But that's that's pretty lucky. What kind of prop? So what kind of propaganda? Just like. Uh... Um, history stuff or i found some actually he's super into a book about world war one right now which oh that's awesome. um i don't know why but that's not really that's just his choice i found some kid book where it takes like um like roman philosophers and various other like you know great works and sort of boils it down to like a page or two and it's it's just like deep thoughts for kids and that's yeah. really cool or sometimes i'll read him like aesop's fables and stuff like that i'll try to talk about that stuff Oh, that's that's awesome. that's like the one time of the day that I'm like, you know, you did a really good job of being a parent. And the rest <laughs> of the time, I'm just like trying to get work done. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I know. Is- like, do you, do you ever watch the show The Middle? Yeah. But me and my wife watch it because we're like, that makes us feel like we're not alone in this like parenting thing. Because you're like most of the day, you just feel like, like, I don't know what I don't know how this is happening. I feel like the worst. Like, I feel like I'm terrible. Like, I getting making breakfast or making lunch in the morning for school is like hands down my least favorite thing in the world like it is the bane of my existence because i'm like half awake and i'm just standing there at the island like staring and like i open the refrigerator and i just stare and i'm like uh like okay do i give them pbj oh no she's gonna be mad if i give him a pbj again i gave him a pbj yesterday i can't do that you know, it's like I'm like weighing all these different decisions. And then also they're picky eaters. So I'm like, well, you know, because I thought, well, he's a picky eater, but I'm going to just throw it in his lunch and he's hungry. He's going to eat it. And I'm not there. And, you know, the parents are out of the room. Like, you know, he's at the cafeteria at school. So he's just going to eat it. But if we pack stuff that he is like picky about, he will just <laughs> come home. Oh, yeah. His lunchbox is full. It's like a portfolio of risk. Is the yeah. wife going to be upset? Am I, is the kid going to, you know, you know, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're trying to like thread that needle of like, you know, something that the kid will eat that also is something that your wife will be okay with you packing for right. them. And, um, and then, uh, yeah. So, and then it's also, did you ever think about like how many decisions, as a parent you have to make before like you start your work day oh yeah it's ridiculous we try to we my son's on the spectrum so that he likes routine so like mm-hmm. we try to routinize things but what we get from that is if anything goes off the routine like when i when i pick him up and take him home it's just the grievances of the day like he's he's basically like george costanza's dad 
And he's oh. like, they gave me a different seat in music class. <laughs> he's like, oh, there's a kid. He brings in a dime every day and you put it down. He's going to lose it. And he's just like, what? That's so That's awesome. Man. He told me he, the kid left the dime in the road. And he's like, and then he went to get it. And he, luckily he survived. And I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> glad he made it. Man, that was a close one. Yeah. Oh, that's so. But so yeah, funny. like I think it's good though, because like if you if you're questioning yourself, if you're good at being a parent, it's much better than if you're just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Like I used to do when I did stand up, it was like the comics that were like, oh, th- I'm I'm really funny. Like I'm, I'm yeah. super, it was just like no, you know, and, and I'm sure like sports is a little bit different because there's you know sort of proof of work, but like it's like. You know, the, the, the kid that comes to the tryouts is like, I'm totally going to make this team. It's like, usually you don't need to say that out loud if that is what is true. Yeah, you so. you let your wrist shot do the talking and everybody yeah. goes, oh, okay. But yeah, no, I I, I, I wish I would have known whenever I like did some comedy and stuff in the past. I was terrified because I thought nobody bombed. Like, oh, I, no. I didn't realize that like comedians bomb all the time. Like, you know, like the like the best comedians in the world bomb like regularly. And, and so I was like terrified of that and I didn't know that element of it. Um, So I played it like really safe and I never got into like what I could do. So like, I even tell my wife now I have all these notes where I'm always like, you know, if I ever want to, I could just turn it on and become a stand-up comedian. I mean, I would have like, it would take a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Right. And like, I'd have to get back into the swing of it. But I have all the ideas there. And she's like, it's probably good for our marriage that you aren't a stand-up comedian. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I don't like that as your backup plan. Yeah, she's like, you know, I was, hoping, go up. I was hoping for something a little more solid. But, you know, uh, yeah, it's just like you know, the, amount, the amount of things, that the material that comes from being a parent where you're like, you know, like trying to get kids out the door and like, just doing that story like you could oh, absolutely you could just crush it so uh, so anyway so you used to do comedy like way back or how long or do you still do it or um i stopped essentially around when i became a parent but um i, I was going to u of m i was studying engineering um like you do and then i started to um i uh i started writing satire and i started doing stand-up and by the time i was like halfway through i was headlining a couple shows a night or a week in ann arbor and um i got to like open for like dl hughley and lewis black at hill auditorium and so i like i took all the engineering math classes and then just switched out and was like i'm going to become a comedian and move to los angeles and um as one does yeah you know like you do and then like you know talking about like the the people that are, are arrogant are like we're gonna do the thing i um we I, I had a writing partner at the time and uh we had one of the um writers for Shrek come in to do like movie pitches and stuff and um we're like we're gonna write one that's so good that they want it and so uh we like we wrote something about penguins and so we we, we wrote this pitch about penguins and we pitched it and we weren't even really enrolled in the class my my friend was taking it on like survey or whatever that you know yeah, yeah. credit and so we pitched it and the guy's like yeah you should write that script and we're like, okay. And so we wrote this penguin script and like, he was like, I got to go to his house when I was in LA. We, we were being hip pocketed by United Talent um, for this penguin script. And then like, there were some places that we we're trying to shop it to. And then do you remember when all those other movies about penguins came out? 
Oh, like we were like, doing, we were like in the middle of our rewrite process, and we were like, "Yeah, we're gonna send it to like da da da," and then it was like, "Yeah, nobody wants your penguins." Anymore. It was like Madagascar, Happy Feet. Yeah, like that uh, was that like was the penguins that time. Madagascar. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not the best time to be shopping a penguin script. No, no, no. And then so like we, you know, that it was like very like we should have struck where that was hot. So we're like, "Oh, your your act two is garbage. Do you want us to send it around town, or do you want to fix it?" And we're like, "We'll fix it." And then it was just like no. And then they and, didn't then, and I was doing stand up for a long time. I was um, I you know just did like all the L A places like Comedy Store. Um, did you ever go up with Rogan? The improv. No, I didn't go up with Rogan. There were like a lot of. There was a show that was like you you had to like submit a tape to get into, mm. called the New Faces show at the Improv, and like I was on that, and I would you know I would come. I wasn't like a big name or anybody, but there were like names that would come there. It would be like Andy Samberg and like Natasha Leggero and a bunch of other people. Nice. And you would like go there, and you would hope that they would let you come up. And like there was one time that like I got to go up two times in like a short period of time because. I was like Comedy Central had some contests. It was like called the Laugh Riots contest. And I was like one of the LA finalists. So it was like, oh, you're good. Like we're, we get to, but um, I was never like the, like like a super good like networker or anything. So I'd like go and I do my stuff and then it would just be like, okay, well, I'm going to go home. And you know, <laughs> yeah. it was like, like doing stand-up comedy is like a lot like high school where it's just like, you've got to like go to the parties and you got to like, you know, you got to hang out with people. Yeah. Like, and I was never like, Oh, I'm going to do, I'm like super great at that. And then um, some other friends and I had like a sketch comedy troupe. And it was like at the beginning of YouTube, we would, um, we we were always like in the bottom, like in the bottom of the top hundred for comedy videos before they just sort of algorithmically eliminated any normal people from being on it. Yep. And um, so like, so that was pretty fun. We um, at one point I got called for like one of the studios wanted to have a meeting with me and I was like, I'm going to make it. And they were like, you know, they like sat me down. I was like, oh, man, they got, they're going to want to know all this stuff and, and then like do a project with me. And it was like at the beginning of YouTube and they were basically like, how do you use YouTube? And so like my <laughs> meeting was them just like, you know, that uh Oh, that Silicon, you know, the show Silicon Valley, where they just basically like brain mine the group. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was me. Like it was just like, like, yeah, YouTube is great. And they're like, this is how we will make money later. (laughs) It was, it was awesome. So they, so you just told them, you showed them how to use YouTube. You're like, uh, yeah, it was like, oh yeah, well, this stuff you're trying to put on is, is a horrible idea because it's too long and stuff. And like, you know, you want to do it succinct and you want to like, you know, I, I don't even remember all the specifics, but, but it was like, they were so like, you know, it was like very boomery at the yeah. time. And, you know, I'm a boomer age now, but like at the time I was in my twenties and I was like, no, like, like Barbara, what you got to do is you can't put a 30 minute show on YouTube. And she's like, Oh yeah, that's all my boss. And I was just like, <laughs> but I didn't know. I was like, they're going to love me after this. And I'm just like, no. And, and um, so then I met my wife, we had a kid, so I couldn't be like doing stand up like, and I was working in TV too. Like I was doing like, I was on like CSI New York and other shows, like just doing production work. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about production work and your Batman experience. It's very, oh, yeah. it's very that. And so like, you know, I couldn't be like going home at ridiculous o'clock and stuff. So I started just working in post and um I had a Twitter handle that I just started telling parent jokes on and it was called dad Prussian, which is weird. Cause I like, it got kind of like, it was like on like 
like all those like Yahoo funny parents or like, you know, oh, mommy yeah. blog. I was like really big on the mommy blog circuit. They was like, oh, this guy said something funny about his kid. And then like Bitcoin and stuff happened. And then I started just like, you know, acting more like a Bitcoiner instead of just like, oh, here's a funny joke about my wife and wine. I was like, you know what I hate about this economic system? <laughs> and, and it was like a little bit like less like, oh, everybody's retweeting me. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's funny because i do like because i came in i didn't create a twitter account until bitcoin and um and so yeah it's like you know until i like really got into well actually i was into it for about a a year or so and then i created the account like i had my anonymous account but yeah it was like you know mainly people followed me, which I mean, I don't have a huge following, but they followed me for Bitcoin, you know, cause like we were all plebs mm-hmm. and then like, and not that I'm, I mean, obviously I'm still like a, a pure, like, you know, Bitcoin maxi, but I'm like, I have like other interests in life too, you know? So like, right. I like tweet about, you know, sports and stuff like that. And like, I'm sure like the, you know, Bitcoin followers are like, what the hell? But then like, but then people start like following about like other stuff and, and then, you know, so I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan, obviously, from Pittsburgh. And last week, the the Bengals bungled their way out of the Super Bowl by losing to the, the Chiefs in the way they did. And um, but I actually felt bad for how bad they were getting jobbed by the refs. And I, I tweeted the video and said, like, I saw that. I was like, as a Steelers fan, I despise the Bengals. But like they, you know, got re- like screw- and that went like viral. Like, I think it had like almost a million impressions or something. And um. And then I, I mean, there were like probably like 30 people, I think, that followed me from that. And I was like, the ones that are, I told my wife, the ones that are hardcore Bengals fans are going to be sorely, sorely <laughs> mistaken whenever like Steelers start back up next year. Cause uh, they're going to be like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This guy seemed like he was an ally. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it's interesting to like cross that over and like, and, you know, I think the, I think Bitcoiners are probably more like, you know because they don't i haven't lost following you know so like i i'm i'm sure they're just more like okay with like okay yeah there's other things in life yeah whereas like yeah you do like dad jokes and mommy bloggers are following you and then all of a sudden you're talking about like economic theory and like they're probably like what i'm gonna okay yeah it started out like it was like and i knew that it was like Cause I wasn't like, I'm going to try to become Twitter famous. I was just like, I miss doing stand up, and I'm going to uh-huh. write dad jokes. And like, it started out like, well, this is what I'll tell my son about money. Derp, derp, part of, you know, yeah, writing a character. And then I was just like, you know, why do I care about like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, it's not like I'm going to make my living from Twitter. Although one time I got some free beef jerky for, uh, well, hey, I mean about beef jerky. So that's yeah, you're cool. you're basically uh, you're an influencer then. Yes, you know, somebody gave you beef jerky, and it was like super gross to like to like to the idea of being an influencer is like super gross. Like it's I know, like, I know. You know, it's it's like somebody's just like, hey, can, can we'll send you this thing, and then can you say this thing? And I was like, if you send me beef jerky, I'll 
I'll eat it and I'll post a picture if I like beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like the like those like the Bitcoin influencers where it's like you can tell it's like just like this crafted image where it's like, you know, and they're they're taking other people's art and they're putting like their picture their, their little logos on it and stuff. And like, yep. you know, or or they'll like there's certain there's certain ones, it's almost like wrestling where it's like it's like, oh, this guy was like really like hardcore Bitcoiner, but now he's like into crypto and stuff. And it's just like some sort of like, oh no, Hulk Hogan joined the NWO and now we have to yeah. hate him kind of thing. And it's just, it's just, it's really weird to me. But like to your point of like, I don't think a bunch of Bitcoiners are going to stop following me because I'm talking about other things. I feel like I've learned a lot of stuff. You know, everybody talks about just like they've learned so much through Bitcoin. And it's I feel like I'm just developing other interests because of Bitcoin. Like, oh, yeah. Like today I got a shortwave radio. Like I, I was like, I should have shortwave radio in case there's Armageddon. So I, yeah. I ordered that and it came in the mail today. And um, like, well, you with those balloons flying things. over us, you might need it. Yeah, I think I think that the balloon thing, the Chinese balloon thing is basically the same thing as the. uh what is it the 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 bitcoin images that they're trying to put i i can't think of the name the fud yeah the yeah the, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's Ryan, just, whatever yeah yeah it's just like we got to do something about it we hate it and we have to make a knee-jerk decision right now like i'm not sure how i feel about the you know the images you know i'm, I'm saying it like an idiot but um Oh yeah, yeah no, like, I actually like I recorded during my lunch break today, and I say that like I work at like a like steel mill or something. But yeah. um, you got but, on the uh, lunch pail, the yeah, exactly. Inside. I'm sitting on like the I beam, you know, over the city. But uh, yeah, I recorded uh, and I talked about it a little bit, and I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, but like, you know, so I was like, I probably sound like an idiot, but um, but yeah, yeah I think I, it's okay to think about it first before you just have a black and white. Oh, yeah. And like, there's so many, I mean, everybody has to have an opinion immediately. And, yeah. and like, and everybody's like, I don't know. I'm so, the clout chasing just kills me. You know, I'm like, people are just like so desperate. Um, and it's weird. Like, you can tell who needs the Bitcoin Twitter engagement. And yeah. you can also tell who's too dependent on number go up yeah you know and like so i'm just like i try to like thread that needle of like because you know i like i i don't hate the fact that we have sponsor but like um but like i would only take you know sponsorship like i'd actually prefer like i have tonight i have yingling um but you know i usually have sam adams so i'm like if a beer wanted to sponsor me i'd be all over that but like but i i to take on a sponsor it's you know the the um uh bitbox hardware wallet like it has to be something where i'm like i can sit there and basically say like get your coins off the exchange please you yeah, know like and that's never this a bad a, idea yeah and like this is a very good product to use but like you know where you get into trouble you know and i think peter mccormick does a really good job and like and i don't you know i mean he's like a bitcoin maxi but people have a lot of problems with them over different things. And you do get into that like danger zone of like when you're just taking on like sponsors and you're trying to make it like a media empire, because I think Matt Odell, like zinged them whenever he was on the show recently. And he oh, said I, I something that like, you know, oh, I got rid of my sponsors and he was like, yeah, cause they're all 
went bankrupt. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, so it, yeah, it, the, the idea of being an influencer in Bitcoin um, is like, it, I don't know. It's like so cringe to me and like, you know, but we see a lot of it, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and the thing, the funny thing is it's like the group of people that are probably the largest group of critical thinkers too. So it's like you're you're putting on the hat and doing the funny dance, and they're like, "That that's not even a real hat," and you're like, "No, it it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't 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 look behind the curtain." Yeah. And yeah. it's like Bitcoiners are like, "That's not a real curtain either." Bitcoiners are like the best bullshit detectors in the world, where they're just like they'll like absolutely rip people to shreds. Like I called so Luke Mikic can back me up on this, but. I called it pre it was before the Bitcoin conference last year. I told Luke, I was like, I was like, Nick Carter is a shit coiner. I was like, he's going to go down. I can tell it. I was like, he thinks too highly of himself, blah, blah, blah. I could just, I could feel it. I could hear it in the way he was talking about stuff. I just, I had that feeling and we were sitting there, me and Luke shared a, uh, a hotel room <laughs> and in our romantic getaway in Miami, um, my Did wife was teasing me about and stuff. Yeah. Well, actually the funny thing was the pen, uh, when I was signing like the documents there, I looked and it said hetero friendly. And I was like, what, you know, cause like, that's not something you see. And the guy was like, Oh, you didn't know this is like, like originally like mainly a gay hotel. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I mean, that's fine. Um, I was like, by the way, if an Australian uh, mate uh, named Luke comes along, send him up to my room, please. Um, <laughs> and, He's like, uh, exactly. Yeah, he was like, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. You know, the wife's okay with him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she. No, <laughs> like my wife just was like dying. She was like, oh my god, like you're, uh, you know. But anyways, um, uh, but I told we're me and Luke we're like sitting there. We had like YouTube on the TV and we were watching some of the you know Bitcoin conference and, and Nick was on there and I was just sitting there. I was like, dude, I'm telling you, man. I was like, he's got shitcoin written all over him. Yeah. And 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 then all of a sudden it comes out, and then you see their Bitcoin derangement syndrome where he just like goes off the rails, yeah, you know, and like loses it. And like it, it's like the the I think it comes from the amount of effort that a shitcoiner has to like give to hide the fact that they're a shit coiner because like you said the bitcoiners are going to call it immediately yeah and then it's like you're just pot committed and then they, they just have to go and it's a shame he, he's written a lot of really great stuff yeah and, yeah like, he's you know. done a lot of good stuff for like around the mining and energy and mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff but i mean it was honestly once he had the stash i was like okay. yeah I like this is something's going on like this is my ra I, my radar was already up but then the stash threw it over the edge. Uh, and I told Steve Barber, actually, I said, when I told him that, I said, don't be offended. You know, Steve from Upstream Data. Yeah, yeah. I said, don't be offended. It's not stashes. I was like, I, I was like, if I could grow a mustache like yours, I'd be all over that. Cause it, like Steve's got like the stash, stash, you know? <laughs> like, I was like, but it's like, I don't know. There's just something about it where I was like, eh, something's off here. But anyway. yeah, there's like this hill where, it, like, honestly, at first it seemed like it was like almost satire to me. And I was like, oh, I'm yeah. gonna, you know, and then, and it's like, wait a second, like, that's nobody's kidding anymore. And you, and then you're like, oh my God, like, this like, is, I nice. guess this is a thing now. Um, so, okay. So you, um, so then, 
what what got you into Bitcoin or when did you get into Bitcoin? I was um I was actually PAing on a show and I was like just I had a lot of downtime and I was, you know, reading about, you know, it was like 2008 was like, you know, really horrible. And, yeah. you know, when you're living in Los Angeles and you're making like minimum wage an hour and then like every so often I would have a writing gig, which would be like it would pay for like two months of paying. But like, that's not something you know how that is. Like you oh, can't yeah. rely on that. And like, so I was like, I, I tried to learn as much as I could about money and stocks and stuff. And so that's what I would do when I was like paying. And then I started to find out about Bitcoin and I like really early, I started to do like the math. I'm like, well, if this is gold, like this is going to be worth a lot of money. And it was totally just like number go up. Like, yeah, I didn't understand like how money worked or what good properties of money were or anything like that. But it was just like, I was like pretty good at math. And then I was like, it was just really interesting to me because it was like a new wild thing. And it was like, it was like during Mount Gox. So like, luckily I didn't get Mount Gox or get what Mount Gox. was that like 20, was that 2013? I think it was like. Or 2012. I didn't end up getting any Bitcoin until like, that's when I became aware of it. And I was like, I super wanted some and I didn't know how to get any. And I didn't want to sell my credit card to a weird Japanese company. I finally bought some. I think I bought it on Circle, like in in twenty sixteen or something like that. Um, yeah, I think it was like twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, roughly that that the Mount Gox thing happened. But get yourself a Bitbox O two hardware wallet. You're gonna want to get one. You're gonna want to get your coins off the exchange. I don't know if it's FUD or whatever, but I see a lot of people talking about the payment rails to the on and off payment rails uh, or the rails on and off of the exchanges, which might be in jeopardy, might be uh, in trouble. So you might want to get a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. If you've been on the fence about it for a while, it's really easy to use. It's really simple. Even a smooth brain pleb like me can use it. It's a touch screen. It's the size of a thumb drive. And you get your coins moved to a hardware wallet and they're off the exchange. And or it's also should be called a signing device. Um, but uh, but really, you get your keys or your coins off the exchange, take care of your secure, your private keys and take care of your Bitcoin because it's the most valuable asset you can own. So get a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple and use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple to get 5% off. Yeah, that's I wish I would have jumped in. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so you so you jumped in then or it like was, you were it paying was after attention Gox. To it, it was around 2016. And then like shortly after that, like the Bitfinex thing happened. So it dumped. So it was like, you know, I was living in LA making like $10, $15 an hour. So like I bought big for me then, but yeah. it was not, you know. Um and then, you know, since then, you know, just getting into sort of like the culture of everything and you know it's it's amazing how many books and things there are that like bitcoiners like you should read this book and like if you've been in bitcoin for a while you're like oh they're always talking about this book like uh, and then you finally read it and you're like oh i should have read this book yeah and um, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and yeah i i just think that like it, it's really helped like it's helped me learn more about just other things in general, whether you're talking about like just how the economic system works and then you start learning how the political system works. And, and, and it also just, I think about people too, like the, this is kind of a ridiculous thing to say, but like 
I think we live in this world where like you can't disagree with people about things because otherwise it's like rude. Like, yeah, like just political things like we just lived through like the last two years that we won't talk about in case you want to put the show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And like you just can't say things that are like blatantly true that are like put out in like official publications. Yeah. And so it's like we have this forced agreement because we live in a world of because of complete unsettled truth. And then Bitcoin settles truth like every 10 minutes. And I think that actually helps allow Bitcoiners to, to like get in arguments and fight with each other because it's like there is like this base layer of truth. And then like you can you can debate other things around it because you've got this base layer of truth. Whereas like in like fiat world, it's like there's no such thing as truth. So it's like you can't acknowledge lack of truth. So you just have to be in agreement, polite, like ignore the elephant in the room. I mean, even just having a normie job, like you're like, oh my God, this this department, these people, they they don't do a thing well. And it's like, no, it's like, just don't worry about it. Like it's, we, we do our best and it's, it's just have good intentions. And I think that's one of the big differences about Bitcoiners because they have like a, they have a rock to stand on. And so it's like, it's okay to be like, no, like we can compare it to this thing. And like, maybe maybe there's a right or a wrong here. And I think that's one of the most attractive things about it to me, because I'm combative about things that I think are not true. And most people don't want to hear it. In big, honestly, like you nailed it. Like that's honestly one of my favorite, like that's one of my like favorite references right now. Like literally I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's a great way to put it is that we live in this world of no truth in, but like Bitcoin every 10 minutes settles on, on truth. And, and I've thought a lot about that where like, you know, like so many of the problems, you know, it's all, it's the trope of like, you know, fix the money, fix the world, blah, blah, blah. But like, when you look at so many of the problems um, in, in, you back it up with the fact that like their money means nothing like your money is a number that's typed in at the federal reserve and like added to a balance sheet. It's completely made out of thin air and whether people even realize that or not, they don't realize it, but they feel the effects of it because of inflation and everything going up around them and this rat race that they're stuck in. So when you're, you know, when your life, something that you're, you know, I mean, money, unfortunately, is so much a part of your life. When that has no meaning and that means nothing. So there's it like the base layer of how you make so many of your decisions has no meaning. That leaves, I feel like so many people with just no meaning in life. Yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely true. And, and it also like makes problem solving so much worse you know i mean you watch you watch a movie like knives out or you read a sherlock holmes book and like the the big reveal at the end is always like okay what do we know we know this guy went in this room we know this lady drank this thing that's poison in india but not poison here and like they just go through the list and it's like okay we can all agree on this and then like then you start building you know something on not sand and it's like well this is why the guy did it. Mm-hmm. And whereas in this world, it's like, we can't even decide like if there should be a budget for this in the government. It, it's not even like, what's the budget or what should we budget for? It's like everything and nothing at the same time. And it's like, you just can't solve any problems if you can't even 
define the problem or define like aspects of it. And, and yeah, so you're totally right. It's like, and it's just so mentally unhealthy. Like I, I have a friend that um, he's actually a mental health practitioner and he sent me the, the Tom Woods uh, article about your, uh, my movies plus not being oh, really? advertised. I was like, Oh, you should have him on your podcast. And like, but um, yeah, it's like just the mental health of not being able to have truth or not being able to address problems. Cause he's always talking about like, okay, like when I have somebody, I want him to come him or her to come in and out. Like, I don't want to just be, bilking them forever. Like I want to address the problem and do things, but like you can't do that if you don't have any sort of solid framework because you're just on this thing that's moving at all times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just no, like there's no consensus in life and, um, and really honestly, in reality, there's never been. Um, And like all of a sudden, like Bitcoin is this thing that has consensus every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's wild and like that's why i think like that type of that element of bitcoin is why i've like really stepped away from like the number of like what the price of bitcoin is because it it's just it's so fascinating once you realize like oh there like you can't even argue anymore because like i i think you and i are very similar like i would argue with people and i would and I was always, this sounds really arrogant, but I was right because I was willing to accept uncomfortable truths mm-hmm. and and then formulate my opinion around fact and then go from there. Whereas like people just wanted to get behind their view. And so like, you know, it was very frustrating for me because it's like, you know, I'd be arguing with people. I'd be like, I don't like when I used to debate people, which I stopped, but like I used to yeah. debate friends and, you know, you know, people that I loosely knew or, you know, at the bar, stuff like that, you know, like talking to people. And I would be like, I'd get to the point where like, I don't know what to tell you. And this is gonna make you really mad, but I just know you're wrong. You know, and they're and like, it's like, I know you're wrong. And yeah. just, I was like, yeah. no, like, I, I know that you are like you factually are incorrect. And and so it, I think that frustration has always been there. And then, and I think that's uh, like the early adopters. And I say early adopters, like if you're listening to this, you are an early adopter because holy crap, we have a long way yeah. to go. Um, I think we all come to it because we're just like so sick of the bullshit. Like, you know, everybody pu- is pushing like Joe Rogan. They, oh, I want Joe Rogan to figure out Bitcoin and become a maxi. And it's like, it'll happen on its own time because like, he's a truth seeker. He's just not seeking the truth about money right now, you know? Yeah. And like the moment he does that, then he realizes, Oh, this is kind of tied into everything else. It'll, it'll, and that's the, that's what happens for everybody. So it's just, I don't know. I I think there's something to that, that like we are so like, it's this group of people that like to be right and know that they're right about Bitcoin and they're just like they don't even care if anybody like you're willing to sit there and have people be like oh like look it went down 80 percent." you're like I, I don't care like yeah well because like bitcoiners are are like incredibly harsh critics of bitcoin you know like the fact that people are so angry perhaps rightfully so about jpegs that are not even actually on your node there's just like 
my understanding of it is that like there's basically an outside system that refers to a particular satoshi and you know so it's like yeah like but, i but think that's okay I, like yeah it's, it's okay that people it's, it's like a it's like a crazy pit fight to see whose ideas are the best, you know? And, yeah, and there's yeah. so many people that have never gotten to play in that world. And they're finally like, Oh my God, other people, my dad has a really great story about being a kid. And he talks about, um, he was like, yeah, like I, I would always do what my dad said. And my brother, you know, it was like the rascal and he, he didn't. And I was like, dad, like, why do you always get mad at me when I tell you I'm not going to do it? And I do it. But then Dave, he just says he'll do it. And he never does it. And, and he goes, Dave makes me feel good. And I feel like so many people in the world are just like, ah, oh, just Dave make me feel good. And then like Bitcoiners are like, no, but like you're wrong. Yeah. And it, it's it's nice to actually just talk about the true thing and then refine those ideas. And I mean, that's, I think, my favorite thing about being a Bitcoin. So Yeah. No, that's a really good point because people just want to be told, like they, they want to make, they want to be, like they want to feel good about something. Yeah. You know, and like I think about it this way, like in the fiat world of like jobs where people have so many different managers, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like and this make me sound like really bad to like anybody that's a manager. I don't mean it this way, but like a lot of times where it's just like they just want to hear they're like, hey, how's this going? And if you you could just turn around and be like, yeah, I got it. They'll be like, boom. Dude, I got my job done today. I crushed it. You know, like I'm, I'm killing Absolutely. it. I'm killing well, it. And that's, and then there's satisfaction there knowing, and you just feel, you feel better because somebody said, yeah, I'm working on it. Oh, and, and then like, I, I worked at a, I've worked at a few movie studios and like having our mentality, it's the opposite because you know that like, it's like, okay, I want to do this thing. I know it's the smart thing to do but I need to get this person to say yes in order to do it. And so you're like, how can I ask just to get the yes? Yep. And it's, and then, you know, you do. And it's like, I spent all day getting someone to tell me that my idea that I wanted to do was the thing that we should do. And it's, it's just so exhausting. I think. Yeah. I mean, Hollywood is certainly not the, um, <laughs> not the, the, like the efficiency model for the world. Um, like I'll never forget, I was working on this one movie. Um, uh, I don't even know if I want to name it, just so that I don't. Vagaries are fine. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like call out, you know, because I I learned some information that I wasn't supposed to be. I mean, I was like a lowly PA at this point. Let's just put it this way: I was a PA whose job was to, um, like, you know, be a PA on set, but then I had to go and pick up the. Um, one producer at the hotel and drive him to set and then leave with him and take him back, which was great for me because you know how, when you're a PA, like, the, oh, yeah. like they, they call like, okay, that's a wrap. And everyone else is like, cool, put the equipment away and we're done. And like, as a PA, you're like, oh, great. I only have like four more hours left mm-hmm. where I get to sit here and wait till everybody's done working and I clock everybody out and, you know, button everything up. Um, so you know, it was a relief for me because as soon as they called a rap on that on that show, I'd be like, "Hey, you ready to go?" And he'd be like, "Yep," and I'd get him <laughs> in the done. car and we'd take off. But like anyway, so this is like the opposite of like a Bitcoiner mindset. Um, but I remember driving him back to the hotel the one time, and he was just like, 
<sighs> and he just started telling me about how pissed off he was about the, how the day ended. Cause we, they were trying to get this one shot and he was sitting there like, dude, we can't, no, we can't get this shot. And the director's like, no, nah, I really need this shot. Um, and it was an insert of like, which pe- if people don't know, like an insert is like that close up, like whenever right now, like I have this beer can. So like in the movie, if I reach down and I grab that beer can, there's that quick little shot of my hand grabbing it real close. And that's, that's an insert. So it was an insert of somebody picking something up, which really, do you need that? You never you need, need to have a B team film that actually, yeah, that's exactly. the smart way to do it. The funny thing is I've actually on smaller productions been that insert shot. Like I've played so many actors, like so many famous actors that I've like been a body double for where like, you know, you sit there, you think, oh, if I'm a body double or like a hand double, like I must be making like a ton of money. Meanwhile, I was like a PA making like a hundred bucks a day, like sitting there like, hey, be Val Kilmer. Like, okay, like from the shoulder and like the back. Okay, yeah, I could do that. Um, But the uh, but uh, anyways, yeah. So I'm driving him back and he's like, you know that shot we had to do? And he's like, I guarantee you it's not even in the movie. He's like, and because we did it, they, there was a union uh, rule that it, we were doing French hours, which was like you had 12-hour shift, had to be hard out at 12 hours. There's like no lunch or something Yeah, like there's that. no lunch. It's like a rolling lunch. Like they have yeah. food available. Past like the there's plate no kind speci- of deal. Yeah, there's no specific like break. But it it's nice because there's a hard 12 hours and you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went over that 12 hour period to get this insert shot. And it was five minutes over. And all this producer could talk about on the way back was he was like, that cost $48,000. He's like, that shot costs $48,000. He's like an insert shot. And then, you know, I mean, he just, like literally 25 minute drive back to the hotel that's all he thought he's like he's like a forty eight thousand dollar shot he's like Corey, i hope i hope it makes the movie so that we know it was worth it you know and i was like and then so then i watched the movie and it wasn't in there like, <laughs> so it's like it's just such a fiat thing where you're like oh my god like you know forty eight thousand dollars for going five minutes over schedule and like you could just grab the director and be like, no, we're not doing it. It's not happening. And it's an ego thing, too, because you have to, like, handle the director a certain way. Otherwise, you have, to have kid gloves with them. Yeah. And, like, make sure they're happy. Like, you know, that's the thing that I'm so glad, like, because I hated, like, people would be like, oh, my God, be careful around, like, you, you know, like, celebrities and stuff. I was like, I mean, it's a human being. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like, what am I, like, what am I supposed to do? So, the people I got along with the best my wife always joke like jokes about Rosie Rosario Dawson and I had like a really good relationship on a movie we worked on together because I didn't give a crap. I was a human being. She was a human being and we just like, you know, shot the shit. And I think she appreciated that. So there's a handful of like people that really, really do appreciate that. But like, yeah, there are the ones that like, Oh, I already said his name. So Val Kilmer, whenever like he showed up and I was wearing a Batman shirt, I was like, son of a bitch. And and I wanted to be like, dude, I don't even really think of you as Batman. Like, <laughs> you know, like no offense, but like Michael Keaton and Christian Bale are Batman, not you. Um, and 
And then he was like sitting there and I was like, I was like, would you like, uh, you know, a coffee? And he was like, yeah, that would be nice. Thank you. You know? And I was like, all right, Dick. Like, <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Like, like, I thought I'd be nice, but anyways, we're getting way off topic. So, um, so you get, so you get into Bitcoin and how does that change your view on Hollywood? Like, I mean, I'm kind of rambling about my thoughts on it, but like you were in the Hollywood. I mean, yeah, like I went there cause I was like, oh, I really like telling jokes and like, I was an okay screenwriter and you know, like I, we should talk sometime about our silly screenwriter hacks because that would probably be fun to talk about too Mm -hmm. and you know so it was like i went out there going like oh if you can tell the best stories and the best jokes like you win and like you know i'm not even saying i was doing those things but like it was very clear that that was not the case and so like i'm like oh keep working harder and stuff but like being in that sort of critical thinking mode and then when covid and stuff happened my wife and i have been talking about moving from la for a while and like she's from California. And like, it was like, that place went nuts when, when that happened. And, you know, we, it was, it, it was like a biblical flight to Michigan. Um, Cause that's where <laughs> my family lives. And yeah. like, we lived with my parents for a year and we, we could work online, but like, I, I would have these meetings with people on camera and it was just like, they were living in a completely different world than me. And it was like, I was like, oh, when when this stuff happened, it was like actually following Bitcoin Twitter was great for it because people were like, oh, we're going to try to figure this stuff out. And it was like, we think it's this. And and then like normal person world was just like, you know, screaming with their hair on fire and their hair turned into cats and stuff. And like you would like having temporarily moved to Michigan, which I bought a house and never went back, like you would see your coworkers and it was just like there was just like the fear in their eyes and the like, you know, they just were living on a different plane. And I was just like, do I want to contribute to this in any way? And I was just like, I don't want to even write stories that like these people are interested in. And like, and that's actually how I, I met you because I heard you talking on, I can't remember what podcast it was. And you were talking about like coming up with like stories that were basically like, not just tripe and I was just like oh my god like this is a real person and I was like I like went and I got my little scripts and stuff and I was like look at stuff like this is what I wanted to do as opposed to like you know playing some sort of a like you know political game and I mean it was very clear that like the place that I was working at like they were being political on like showing up on the lot like I don't want to get too into it but Mm -hmm. I was like why are they acting this way? And I was like, oh, because they were probably because they were shooting when this when restaurants were closed and they have to be friends with politicians and you know, da da da. Mm. And it's just like, I don't want to add to that. And it was just gross. So yeah, the whole Bitcoin thing, the whole COVID thing was just like, I don't want to like hope that someone gives me approval for stories. And it's the person that would be giving me that approval is somebody that I don't respect their point of view. And since leaving there, I have a friend that was like, he was there for like 
40 years and he moved to Poland. He was like, these people are too crazy. I'm moving to Poland. <laughs> and he's like a director. Like he's, you know, directing yeah. commercials in Poland and stuff. And he's like, I can't get a meeting unless I'm X, Y, and Z. And I'll let you fill in what those things would probably be. And he was just like, it's nuts. And like, this guy is like the most like, you know, you know, those people that are like, have you ever seen this movie? And they expect you to see like all movies at all times. And yeah. you're like, no, They're like, I, sorry, I've got a wife. And they're yeah. like, why didn't you see this movie? And like, even he was just like, I'm done with this. And yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's really sad because I, I had not been back to California since pre-COVID. Um, so like 2019, I guess. And then like, I was always out there in November for AFM. And then I'd go out there for, you know, probably at the, like in the heyday, you know, pre-COVID, like I was probably going there four times a year like you know and um and it just i was so curious as to see what it was going to be like it was shocking to me in november when i got there that it was pretty lax with the covid restriction like but i think they've ramped up since then um but like the i mean homelessness has been a problem there for a very long time and you know like i used to i mean it's like it's like true, but like also a joke. But I used to always say like the Santa Monica beach like mm-hmm. smells like piss. Yeah. But it like actually does. Like, you know, there's, yeah, it there's, does. there's a very difference, big difference between sitting in the beach in Santa Monica and sitting like it looks, you know, if you see images of it, you're like, oh, that looks beautiful. Um, but it's very different from sitting on any other beach because of the smells and the, you know, and, and it's it's sad um but it but it got worse it got so much worse that like i was texting my wife while i was there i was like we like probably shouldn't bring the kids like no (laughs) you know it's it's pretty bad right now and um you know and like we're not like like sheltering our kids from like anything like it you know if anything when we we try to like teach them to you know like help people that need help and you know like Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, one thing my dad like did for me was like, you know, the example of we would go to like, when we go to any Pittsburgh sporting event, we'd go into like a Wendy's and get like 10 junior bacon cheeseburgers. And then like on the way there, just hand them to the homeless people that we saw. And it was like, so like, we're passing that on to our kids. But like, but I was telling my wife, I said, the stuff I'm seeing here, like, this is like violent, yeah. you know, it's not it's not homelessness. That's a problem that people need to take care of. Like there's, there's violent things that I'm like literally walking across the street to get to the other side to avoid that like confrontation, like not a confrontation with me, but like, I was like watching like fights happen. And I was like, this, this is a problem. Like, this is really bad. Yeah. We, um, we had our apartment for a year while we were just, my parents are retired teachers. So it was like, this is a good place to do, yeah online school and so we came and we we dumped out our apartment in five days and that's when you really learn about your spouse by the way because like when when your wife is just hucking stuff across the street that's half her body weight because you have to get in the car the next day you're like that's when i married a good one yeah 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 yeah, Um, and so you guys like like bailed on it like you just like yeah and in in the one year between that like we lived across from sony and culver city and oh, like man nice which was like 
gorgeous. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, Culver City still nice ish, but like, you know, there was like tagging and like I went to walk downtown, like a walk that I used to take all the time because I had a friend that we were going to have like a drink and like, and I was just like, oh, this is the first time, you know, I'm a, I'm a large guy and I'm fine. But I was like, this is the first time I've ever thought about that here ever. And then like, I'm still on like a couple of message boards and stuff. And like, I see like my rare plants got stolen. Um, some, my, somebody stole my kid's dog when he was walking my dog. Like, like there's just weird stuff that happens now that just never did before. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And yeah. That's I mean, a problem that you can't fix with, you know, handing out a few hamburgers. There needs to be a layer of truth that gets fixed first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's, uh, it all comes back to the money. Cause like, like if you have money that has actual value, then I think people like, I think it would change the way people look at it. Like that really need it. You know what I mean? Um, whereas like, you know, the idea, like the, the idea of saving for anyone that's like down on their luck or homeless or whatever is like, it's an absurd thought, you know, yeah. like they're not saving, like they're trying to buy their next meal. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're working, you know, hand to mouth like every day and, you know, and so like to them, it's like this, this worthless piece of paper, like I'm just trying to get it so I can get the thing that I need. Um, and, uh, and if you, I don't know, it's just, I try not to get like super like, Oh, you know, this will fix everything. Cause you know, people get like pie in the sky, like, you know, it's Bitcoin will fix everything and we're all going to fart unicorn rainbows and like, you know, everything's going to be beautiful. Um, but I, you know, I, I just, I do, I think it, I think it'll help people um you know whereas like not like somebody that's just sitting there like give me a dollar so i can go buy a sandwich but like you know you have people down on their luck and they're like they're playing like music and stuff and actually when i was in there when i was at uh uh afm in november i was eating a corn dog in santa monica beach uh and there was this guy there and he was like singing and i felt really bad because he just was not very good um but you know he was at least like doing it and like he had he had his like you know woman there with his baby and i was like hey i mean this guy's like going for it you know and and stuff like that so you know at least least try to help him out but you know maybe in that scenario he's able to like he's got his guitar case out he's you know he's maybe he has enough money to save up i don't know i i I'm talking out my ass to be honest. I just, I feel like too, though, I mean, like there are so many people that are just like, well, you know, whether I'm down and out or I see somebody is, well, somebody should really fix that. And that somebody is always like a centralized power. And it's the government government should really fix that. And then it's like, well, the government can just, you know, just print money out of nowhere to fix it. And they don't understand that. Like, you're not actually making more stuff for people and more homes when you print the money. So it's like basically going like, Hey, this vampire should suck the blood out of everyone in our society and use this blood to sprinkle some back on our society so that it solves the problems of the society. Like, and, and when they, when they can't press that button anymore to like falsely create 
it's not wealth, but the, the appearance of wealth, then people need, then people can stop thinking about how to solve problems through intermediaries and go like, oh, actually I'm going to, I'm going to do something useful. Cause it's really easy to be like, well, I, I don't really help anyone directly, but I campaign. And it's like, well, how much, how much value is there in telling other people to do things that you are not willing to do yourself? And there's not a lot of value in that. I don't no, know. no, not at all. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's sad that, uh, it's a, that's the state of things right now. But I mean, I, what do you think of like, I mean, do you think athletes are going to start picking it? Like that was like a hot thing. Remember back whenever, like during the bull market, whenever. Oh yeah. Especially were, with the, the crypto athletes too. Which was yeah. Like, they're like, Oh, they're going to, well, I guess I should ask you, were you, before we get into the athlete part, have you, have you ever shit coined? I, I did. I, I like, that because we all did. Yeah. And I lost money on it. And like, you know, at first it was like, it was weird. Cause it was like, I had some friends that we would have like a chat and it, it, we'd talk about like, I, I didn't, I was like maybe 5% shit coin because I've always been like, I don't gamble. Da, 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 da. And I was smart enough to know that it was gambling, mm-hmm. but then like, I would see these people that I chatted with just veering more and more to not being like me, whether it was politically or solving problems or trying to, they're like, no, but like, look at this technology. And it's just some like janky website that's got gifts on it, you know, or like, you know, I mean, the Andreas Antonopoulos talk about how, like, if it's not completely decentralized, it's just a like lazy data. It's like a, it's like a crappier database. Like just that one concept can, could have saved so many people so much pain and uh yeah ironically so like, he's I, a shit coiner too you know yeah i know it's it's unfortunate and I, I couldn't believe it i was like but you knew when you told me the thing yeah it, you know it's like, you were the chosen one <laughs> yeah but uh, you were meant to destroy the sith not join them <laughs> exactly but yeah so i mean everybody did and like i think that it's okay to have done it and to like have learned like why was that a bad idea? And like, you know, people talk about it being bad for moral reasons and stuff. And I won't disagree with that, especially if you like know that you're just basically like trying to take money from a pool of dumb people, but, um, or uninformed people is a better word to say, because they're not necessarily dumb. Yeah. But like, just to understand why you were wrong is like useful, I think. And yeah, but we yeah all no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, it's like almost like Bitcoiners are for the most part, all like an AA, like, you know, it's been, you know, five years since I shit coined, you know, because I mean, we all did it like we all we all did it, you know, like I, mean, I it's always like reassuring to see that, like, because there's this like purity test. I feel like the Bitcoiners are like, yeah. you have to be like all in and 100 percent believe that this is the thing no matter what and never have like wavered, you know, but like even like Daniel Prince, he he was showing he like texted a very texted Jesus Christ. I sound like such a boomer. He tweeted a a picture out of like like from a journal or like you know his like you know something he, like a notebook he was looking at from five years ago or whatever and like he had written ethereum in there and he like you know then like had crossed it out and it was like you know obviously that that changed you know um and like I, i'm curious the the person that first ever mentioned ethereum to me i'd be curious i think we I forget when we talked about it, but like I'm, I'd be curious to see if he's still into all that because the initial thing was he was like it has more use cases and I was like sounds pretty cool 
you know, like those yeah, more like use cases. That, why like not? Like, okay, so Bitcoin is a completely like it's like the invention of the printing press. It's a brand new world altering technology. And then like you get into Bitcoin for a while and you're like, okay, so like what's the next one? Like as yeah. if another thousand years had passed and like it was just like here's number two and it's just the same thing only with like faster block times or something like that and it's just stupid but everybody does it and you gotta learn it's like you have to learn like your own sort of like it helps you like learn about your own hubris and like maybe where you're making mental errors too i think and that's okay oh i mean it's helped me dramatically with like business like uh, i look back on my pre-bitcoin era when i was running a business and i was like oh my god like i was like you know i mean as an entrepreneur you're always hanging on by a thread you know it's until you like until you make it but like back then like i was like what the hell was i doing like i was making terrible financial decisions and like uh, my (laughs) the thing that kills me still is the Land Rover that I bought, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, like the the car, the house we were living in at the time was not like was less than double the value of the car. Like, what the like, what was I doing? You know, and like I justified it with like it's a business card. So when I pull up the meetings for movie investors, it's a business card. Like I let somebody that was somebody else's idea, and I let that like imprint on me and be like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like I should spend a crap ton of money on that because uh you know it's, that makes sense. And like so dumb, so dumb. Like I, if I could go back, I mean that's why like my computer that I'm using right now. It's actually the computer that I started my initial sales company on, uh, my initial movie sales company. And this thing is uh, eight, almost nine years old. And, okay. you know, I probably would have changed it around the time I got into Bitcoin. Then I got into Bitcoin and I'm like, why would I buy another computer? Like, this could be like a two hundred thousand dollar computer eventually. Yeah, exactly. I just buy Bitcoin with it, and then like, you know, I mean, I, I get worried now too because I'm like, how how far up can it go in my lifetime at this point? You know, like, I mean, there's people that are like, you know, my buddy Luke. He'll say like, it's gonna be sixty five million dollars a coin by by twenty thirty. In mathematically based on the you know how many bitcoin there are in the value of everything in the world i can yeah. totally get that yeah 21 million over infinity but is that going to happen in my lifetime i i don't know i, I feel mean, like we'll we're be, so much further off we'll be living in thunderdome if that happens because in that short of a time people figuring it out and getting on board can't be done in an organized manner i mean i love that chart that's like the um the weimar republic like the mark versus gold oh, and it's yeah. like it's like a five-year chart and like sometimes gold spikes down and you're like you're in the weimar republic like gold and it, but it's like you know like people you know with emotions and like you know it's like everybody's got kind of a shitcoin mentality when it comes to like capturing some paper value and like there's also the fact that people got to eat. So like, it's not necessarily you're dumb to cash out if 
if other irrational people are doing that so yeah yeah no i mean and yeah like people that want it to be like the hyper bitcoinization i'm like do you know what kind of world that would be if that happened like <laughs> like if bitcoin went to 65 million dollars by 2030 this is that like you might as well let the north and south pole flip on their heads like yeah. it's going to be a disaster it's going to be a mess yeah I mean, and and do you really want to be rich in like a a squalor world of human misery? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like like you go to like Ready Player One world where yeah. like everybody's living on stacked like trailers, and it's like okay, like so you're the you know you're like the super trillionaire of that era. Like what what does that do? You know, yeah. um, my kid's not safe. So how rich am I really? You know, exactly, like, exactly. Um. So, uh, so you mentioned that, uh, and I'll wrap up here soon because it's getting late. Uh, yeah, I got the the kids bouncing off the walls in there. It's pretty great. Is he still awake? Oh yeah, my wife went to bed. She's like, "Oh yeah, you can go see if he's asleep." I'm like, "He's not gonna be asleep. <laughs> he does. He, do, he doesn't sleep. No. They don't sleep. They, well, they... What were you gonna say? Sorry for cutting you off. Oh no, no, no. I was just gonna say. Um, I actually forget what I was gonna say. So maybe it wasn't that important. Um. Uh, no, actually, I was going to ask about, um, like, what you think, how do you think Bitcoin will change the movie industry, if at all, since you have that background? I think that's a really great question. I mean, I've heard you talk about trying to eventually have there be a model that's a, a not, I don't know if you said a decentralized platform for servicing movies, but like basically everything is so hyper centralized and, and it's gotten a lot worse since even I started to be in it because you've basically got like these high end super tent pole movies that are, are just basically spinoffs of the Avengers, or you can do stuff that's like really low end that you're doing pre-sales. So it's like genre horror or something like that. And frankly, the, I'm not a horror person, but like, like some of that genre horror stuff is some of the, the most creative stuff because it's the only chance somebody's got because nobody's going to be given keys to a half billion dollar franchise. So I think that first of all, it's going to make it so that like you can't just like, it, it'll stop that bifurcation, I think. I think it'll allow people to distribute things on their own and and build, you know, it might take 10 years to for, for a producer to become a producer that can make a bigger movie, but like, they'll be able to like just not have it fiat frittered away and i think it'll help distribution and stuff too especially with like lightning network and stuff like that because you know yeah. right now you're only getting stuff if you're just renting it through amazon or you know watching it on netflix and like there's going to be i mean your business i think is a, is a good example of there being other ways for people to you know produce content and exhibit it and we just basically need more of you and whatever the next generation of that is too. And then the storytellers will come because like, I'm not sick of writing, you know, stories, but I'm sick of just having to write something that I don't believe in. So, mm. you know, it, it'll be better, but it'll just take time, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we're we're slowly working our way there. And and I, like I tell people all the time, I'm like, it, it's this weird, if we were in a position where, like we because we're cash flow positive which is a good thing but we're not like backed by big investors so it's like you know it's a hustle you know with like there's mm -hmm. no you know 
like our team is so slim and um it but oh my god like i would just you know i would love to be able to get to that point where we we really you know flip it on its head and and uh and go to the next level but you know it'll it'll happen eventually you know the podcast i always feel bad i'm like oh it gets behind but i'm like i'm like dying like you know just working nonstop and you know trying to make it like make it all work because it's it's like i have to think about the big picture ideas and then i also have to be like oh my god we need to make sure that we sell enough you know like yeah we need enough enough sales to you know keep the lights on and um yeah it's just a it's a absolute rat race um and people that have never been in that like it's it's a it's hard (laughs) like yeah the money is just stupid like it's you know i mean like you know netflix and everything it's like we can't necessarily compete with them right now no and nor should you try i mean they were Mm -hmm. they were taking out billions of dollars in bonds and then just rolling them forward because it's like the debt's going to devalue and then we're going to hold all this ip forever and we figure that you know on a long enough timeline like it's a good bet. And I mean, you know, with interest rates going up and stuff, that's actually, I think their stock's been doing okay. But I mean, that that's not great for that plan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if their they're re-rolling is better, th- is better than inflation, they're still ahead of you until the money gets fixed. Like, they have a strategic advantage of you until the money gets fixed. But, like, it will at some point. Yep. Yeah, and, the, like, they, I mean, me, like, I knew on the inside, but I was like, people don't understand they're in so much debt because the way that they pay for everything is like, Hey, we pay 20% now and like the remaining, you know, like 80% will pay out quarterly over a three year period. So they're just kicking the can down the road. So like when they spent $16 billion on content, they really in cash spent, you know, 3.2 billion, but now they have, you know, 12.8 billion in liabilities. And that's just for this year. And then next year they add more liabilities and they add more liabilities. And, mm-hmm. you know, like what happens? I mean, that's why they're switching to AVOD because they have to, they have to boost revenue. Yeah. And my understanding from a few years ago, I don't know if this is current, was they had to overpay people like artists and stuff because you don't get the downstream revenue because your your movie's not going to be in a the theater it's not going to be rentals da, da 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 so like if I'm going to give my movie to you I need to make it all now as opposed to like waiting for my residuals to come in so like yep. that movie they make is like double cost fake numbers obviously but yeah yeah it's and it sucks because like I think it sucks for the artist. You know, I mean, that's why we pay like on a royalty basis still, you know, we bait like, you know, however much, you know, however much people watch it, you, the more they watch it, the more you get paid. And, um, and, and so they, um, you know, I think, yeah, like I always, I always felt bad. Like, you know, you see Adam Sandler, like it was great. He got like a big deal to do like five yeah. movies for them for like $200 million or something. Um, and, you know, from that, he had to use it to, like, make a budget to make those movies and whatnot um, and pay people out of them. But, like, none of those actors are getting royalties on them. You know, it's no, you know, it's a it's a Netflix original. You're not getting you know, you're not getting crap. So 
um yeah i mean we we're even trying to like one of the things we're trying to work in is to um allow people who have their content on our site to create merch for their con like with their content branded on it you know like that's a cool idea because then you just essentially become a platform i mean that like people are are giving their life energy in your direction and they're getting something out of it yeah yeah you know as long as like i always feel bad like making any money off of stuff like that but then you know people are like you know it is a business like you gotta you know yeah have you messed around with any like qr code stuff or anything i've I've seen some of that too where you know you can use qr code there's embedded qr code i mean obviously this would have to be in some higher end stuff because you know the the cost to do it and post Mm because you need the clean cut and the qr cut probably but like I've seen some stuff where it's like call to action QR codes and stuff like that too. And I could see that becoming a bigger deal, especially when like, like bringing it to the Bitcoin discussion, like, Oh, this thing is a QR code and I can just buy it with lightning right now. But uh-huh. um, in, in fiat world, there's, there's some demand for that too. I think coming around the corner. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, um, I think that like we've talked about it because we have some like live, tv going right now and and we uh we're talking with a couple people about doing like some live different live programming and um and having like a qr code like overlay where it could link to products and stuff like that um i think would be would be pretty sweet um and uh and yeah we're just we're trying to find a way to like make it as interactive as possible um but like keep the power with the filmmakers um, cause I mean, you, you probably get this as much as I do, but like, you know, the, the independent filmmakers are just screwed. Oh, absolutely. And, and people want to do that work too. Like you, you would see, I would see projects when I was on network shows and it was like, this person makes this money for a network show, you know, running a camera or directing or doing this, but then it's like the friend project and they do it on the weekend for free or for mm-hmm. whatever the minimum the guild lets them do it for. And it's like, it's cause it's for the cause. So like, if you can give people the freedom to do stuff and they feel like they're doing it in a non-evil place, like there's a talent audience for, for contributing to that, but it just needs to have the, that saturation point where like people are like, Oh, this is a valid place to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so before I let you go, uh, what is the, so what are the, what's the biggest show you worked on? The biggest show I worked on, I worked on CSI New York, uh, just production. Okay. And then were you, what did you, uh, write for? Cause I guess we don't really cover that too much, but I wrote, um, the funniest thing that I wrote was, um, there, I wrote a bunch of animation stuff that I got hired out to do that was like like script cleanup and um like there's one i think it's called like monster island it was on netflix i don't necessarily suggest to watch it Mm -hmm. i wrote they had me um they had locked animation and they were like i want to change all of act two but all the animation is locked and they were like also we want the characters to have like like we want characterization because we don't really have that now and we don't really like our story so like i did like you had to like shoehorn it in yeah, it was like I had like two weekends to like shoehorn all this story in, which was great. And then I sold some treatments um, that are like not online, uh, but like it was just like work for hire stuff. 
and and that was pretty fun and i you know i pitched some shows to some of the larger studios and stuff like that um we had a we had a disney director that that really liked us and so we got to go around and do the thing and um i was on g4 like for stand-up comedy like one time you know oh nice nice but um yeah just a normal pleb though like I'm, i'm not as famous as somebody that's gonna you know become a shit coiner after going to the bitcoin conference and shaving up real good yeah getting all blonde bleach blonde and everything and yeah um yeah yeah it's uh and so do you have any crazy encounter with uh with a a celebrity and i think i've told that well i don't know if i did this on the podcast but um uh i had a time where um uh <laughs> val kilmer walked in on me going to the bathroom oh um, that's funny yeah so do you have anything awkward like that that ever happened or funny story like memorable <laughs> thing where you're like oh this is the dinner party story like um, I had to give Jeffrey Tambor his, t- I had to take his temperature once because he was, he was sick or whatever. And he didn't want to be on set. I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I just know that like all the, the, the directors and stuff had tried to cajole him out. And then they decided that I was the next person to go. And so um, he was actually under his, his temperature was under 98.6. So I, I convinced him that he was healthy and got him to go on set. And then the other one that's that's maybe more interesting. I was because um, you know in in Hollywood everybody just does stuff hoping like everything on spec hoping you're going to yeah you'll do me a favor after I I do you thousands of favors and um, I was helping this woman she like she toured colleges and stuff and I was friends with her and I was helping her write a set I, I really think I I wrote her whole college set because it was like we would go and like. I would write some jokes and then she would write some jokes for me and then it suddenly turned into like thirty five to one. And I was like, oh, I got to stop doing this. And then one day she's like, hey, do you want to go to my friend's house? And I was like, no, but like I did. And, you know, we go through all the hills and I'm like sick in the car. And it was like Alanis Morissette was having a party at her house. And that was so like I went from being at this coffee shop to like I got to dance with her. She was very nice. And there was like a lot of other. And then um, who was it? Andy Dick tried to hit on me at the party. Um, Like when I was leaving, he's like, Oh, I know you. And like, you you know, like did the whole hand thing and stuff. And luckily he'd actually performed at U of M and it had been like a horrible disaster. So I was like, Oh yeah, I know you from that. And then he had that just like kind of scared. He was like, Oh, never mind, never mind." Yeah. You know, it's funny. Andy Dick, the last thing I like story I'll go with is, uh, so he actually went to, I'm from Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Um, outside right outside of pittsburgh and uh gateway high school that's the school district i went to and andy dick went there for uh i forget how many years um but he i think he was on i think it was on howard stern and he talked about how like in the bathroom at gateway is where he had his first gay experience i was like wow like my alma mater has just like we have we've made the big time you know we're we're <laughs> Andy Ron Stern on, for Dick uh, from Dick yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it was uh it was great but uh 
Yeah, well, I'll let you go because it's late and you got to get your kid to bed. <laughs> your wife's going to kill you in the morning whenever she sees he was up till midnight. Well, it's so, good talking. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. We, we should do this again because uh, you know it's uh, it's just cool to to hang out and have some have some some dad dad talk and some beers and you know all that good stuff. Absolutely, and if you ever ever compare notes on film stuff, let me know. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it, and thanks for coming on. Cool. Thanks for having. Me. Talk to you later. Yep. Thanks again, as always, to the BitBox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. And thanks to Paul for coming on. I really appreciated uh, the conversation and I appreciate all of you that listen and I will talk to you guys next time.